Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Lord, I want to thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Thank you for every family represented. I actually also want to thank you for every school or every company that has the privilege to receive one of these people in the week as they go to work. You are really doing a great work. You are in control. And I want to pray, Lord, and I want to ask for every, every dark situation, every difficult thing anyone here might face, Lord, and we want to remind ourselves that you are the miracle worker. You are the one that knows how to open doors, Lord, how to give sight to the blind, and we are that blind, Lord. You know how to lead us. You know how to feed us well. You know how to take us to mountains that we have to conquer, and sometimes you take us around mountains, Lord. You just know you are in control, and we worship you here this morning. Amen. We always have a, have a little bit of a joke in Secunda. It's always got to do with food. We like to eat in Secunda. That's what we do. So I, I just want to, if you just ask the person next to you, just imagine yourself watching the rugby. You're walking into a room. The one room is full of sweeties. Okay, it's, it's any, everything jelly, everything chocolatey. Right, and you, you can feast on that while the rugby's on. On the other room, you have everything salty. You've got, we've got druvors, boltong, nuts, okay? Just ask the person next to you, are you going sweet or are you going salty? Okay, Henny, so we're going to determine now. We're going to determine whether Shofar Randberg has got a sweet tooth or salty tooth, okay? If you prefer the sweets, quickly put up your hand. If you say salt, put it up. All right, you are a salty bunch. You can know that. All right. (laughs) You are the salt of the earth. All of you that said sweets, uh, there'll be time for repentance afterwards. (laughs) How to obtain victory in dark times. That's what I want to touch on this morning. How to obtain victory in dark times. We all have those dark times. If we're not in it at the moment, if, if, if I can just speak bluntly, if the, the bodily ailment or the, the cancer or the diabetes, if it's not on you, it, it, you might know someone. Um, even if at the moment you feel like God is really blessing you in in your own life. You might feel like your relationships with your parents, it's like this dark place, but we all have them. Otherwise, I mean, we're in denial. You know, we we have those places where we don't like it when we are forced to go there, you know, open that door where people press on that button. But how do you obtain victory in dark times? You know, the prosperity gospel has done very well under young people and students where it's come under the banner of just come to God, he's going to make you happy and nothing will ever, you know, go wrong. And then as these people grow older, they turn away from the faith 
because they do encounter real life. You know what? Everyone's mom or dad at some stage pass away. Um, sometimes someone might, might, might um, lose a spouse or a, a, a child gets born. And, and those things you don't worry about when you're young. Then the, go- the gospel can be shallow. But let us just settle this right away. Our walk with God is tremendously blessed. And it is really amazing. There's nothing like it, but it is blessed through dark times. And, and it, uh, the sooner we know that, the better for, for our faith because we are called to be mature. All right. So, so how do you obtain victory in dark times? That's a very important question. It's interesting, um, if we're honest about it, God also speaks clearer in dark times to us. We actually see it in Scripture as well. A lot of the people that follows God, they hear Him best. <laughs> When they need to hear him, the clearest. Isn't that true? And uh, we are the same. We're just the same, if we're really honest. When, when it's going great with us, you know, when we, we can see, all oh, right, you know, there's, there's enough money for the month or maybe the next month and everyone's okay. We, we, we sometimes deem um, that spiritually we're also okay. You know, we measure the natural things and then we say to our souls, Surely it is well with you as well. And that should, you should be reminded of a piece of scripture of a man that said those words. You know, when he stored up a lot of wealth, he said, Saul, it'll be well with you. And then Jesus reminded the audience, just watch out how quickly a dark time can come. So, so I'll just say, um, I think it's spiritual maturity when naturally you are at a good place and when you wake up, and you look around your home, you see, oh, I'm, I'm glad I can feed my children. It's, it's, it's very important, those things. You should be a provider, and, and, and I feel healthy. Thank you, Lord. But once we enter that place of prayer, if we can acknowledge spiritual bankruptcy, we are, we are getting to maturity. Everything looks in control there, but everything is not in control here, Lord. But we, we, don't, we don't do that so, that easily. So often we have to go through dark times to say, okay, Lord, you know, um, I remember, I'm reminded, I'm actually spiritually so in need of you. Um, I'm thirsty for you, you know. Uh, how to obtain victory in dark times? Let's read together in Revelation. I, John... Your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard, a, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, Pergamum, Theatira, and to Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven gold lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, the snow, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Just for a moment, you have to imagine this. Um, his feet 
were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Now what we can't forget is this is John meeting his friend again. <laughs> he looks different. <laughs> like, whoa. You know, incredible makeover or something like that. Um, it's got nothing on this. This is his friend whom he loves. But he looks different at this moment. He must be blown away. In his right hand, he held the seven stars. Imagine that. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hates. Write therefore the things that you have seen to those churches, that was written earlier, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars, you saw my right hand, the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars, the angels of the churches, all the angels of the churches, and the seven lampstands, all the seven churches. How to obtain victory in dark times. I want to take you to that first scripture there, and we're going to just stand on it for a moment. I, John, your brother, and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the isle called Patmos, on account of the word of God. This is a very important verse before we go on. Very important. We're talking about a dark time. What was this island called Patmos? It's a very important question. Patmos was a prison. It was a prison. And I was on Patmos. Why? On account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. What he's saying is, while I was doing exactly what I was called to do, what God is longing for us to do, I was imprisoned for it on Patmos. All right? Let's watch out. Let's be mature. Oh, if you only do what is right, you will never get in trouble. You know, everything will be well. It is not true. It is a lie. Okay, we will be surely blessed if we obey God. But part of that blessing might include Patmos, which on the outside doesn't look like it. But I was on the island called Patmos because I love Jesus with everything in me. I ended up on Patmos. Now I want to give you guys a little bit of a background here. Back then there was a man called the Roman Empire called Domitian and and I actually spoke to Henny about this. Church history offers some information to us. It's not inspired. It's not the Bible. But what church history tells us is that John was persecuted and tortured prior to this. All right. And a lot of the voices that comes from church history says that John was actually boiled in oil on account of a faith for the Christ he so loved. And that these kind of things, one church historian holds that these type of torches will always be in the public eye because you're trying to drive a narrative to the people. You mess with the mission, you're going to end up in a, a 
some kind of in a lion's mouth or in a pot of oil. So they'd gather the people and they would discipline these people in the public eye. You get into line or you're in trouble. And so one day, you can almost imagine this. Everyone's here torturing this guy, he dies. Torturing that guy, he dies. This guy turned again against the empire. And here comes John. And now it's his turn to be tortured. And they torture him, but he cannot die in that moment. And apparently it had an impact on the crowds that they asked this question, who is the God of this man? Who steps into a boiling pot of oil and out. You get this idea of Daniel's friends. And this question is not the question the emperor wants to hear. He does not want curiosity. Who is the man that John serves? I want to bring my family as well. I want to hear. So what happens to you if the emperor wants you to disappear? the line mafia movies seen? Take care of him. No trial, no long stories. The mission is spoken. Batmos. Take this man out of here. People are asking questions. Now, he's on Patmos on account of the word of God, the testimony of Jesus. Now, I, I, I must share this with you as well. Patmos actually had a little bit of a... Um, I'm taking some time here. We're going to go fast soon. Patmos had a connection with Greek mythology. They had a story, and obviously it's their their, um, mythology is is their way of trying to find purpose and things to worship. We know it's, it's, it's not God or it's not the truth, but this is what they said, that this island of Patmos at one stage was a bigger piece of land and that it sunk into the sea. And then there was two of their gods that actually rescued this island of Patmos. One of them was called Artemis. I don't know if, if you remember in Acts, at one stage, the gospel is being preached, and then the people start to chant. It says, uh, it's not on there. For two hours, they cried, great is Artemis, one of the mythical gods. And Artemis with Zeus saved this island called Patmos. It had a strong connection to their false beliefs. And it is the place where they sent John. It would be their home turf. We'll send you to the place Artemis saved. You talk about a creator, our God saved this place. Home turf. Now, Patmos was not just a prison where they sat like, who watched the Count of Monte Cristo? You know, they're not locked up there. They're working. They're working probably, they're mining, working with stones, something like that. John aged 90 got no discovery health, no momentum. If you lose, as you hear it down for lower, he's gone. It's gone. If you lose the one next to him, then you have a passion gap. We call him Cape Town. It's gone. John is 90 years old. He's an old man. His body might be broken. He's being malnourished. He's been tortured. Is on the Isle of Patmos. What do you do when you are in a dark place? Check the next verse. Verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice 
like a trumpet. I was in the darkest place I've ever been on account of my faith. The home turf, the Greece false oh, the Greeks false gods. I'm alone. I miss my friends. They've all died. God didn't want to take me when they tortured me. Here I am. I'm old. I can't move. I'm full of pain. I'm surely in a dark place. What do you do when you're in a dark place? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. It is in that place which the Greeks deem their home ground unjustly sentencing a man there where revelation gets downloaded to John at his darkest place. We need to look at these areas or these times of darkness through a different lens in our lives. There's much to say for that. And the first thing I want to say this morning, spiritual victory in dark times, and I'm sorry for the slang, if you're new around church or maybe Afrikaans, um, the first point up there is press into the spirit. It's, a, it's, it's become kind of a, a spiritual vocabulary, press into the spirit. What I just mean by that is see God with all your heart. Hold on to God with all your heart. It's interesting. We hear this. Um, I don't mean to be funny, but, but it is funny. But that's subjective, I guess. People... You, you go to your friend, you say, listen, man, are you all right? I mean, I haven't seen you for a while. We've been praying for you guys. How are you doing? No, we, you know, um, <clears throat> we're taking a break from church because we're really going through a dark time. Have you heard rubbish like that? I'm going through a tough time, so I'm just actually taking myself away from the place where God speaks and where I worship to figure things out. You know, heaven cannot understand nonsense like that. It's absolute nonsense. When you say stuff like that, you sound like this. And you're not speaking in tongues. It's just, it's just the opposite of knowledge and sense. It is at those times when you must press in. It's at those times when you must be near. Yeah, but I don't understand. You don't have to understand. Listen, to, if we can just go back one verse. John is a man like you and me. He's clueless. He's pressing into the Spirit. Where does the voice speak from? Behind him. He's not even positioned in the right direction. He doesn't even know. It. You know, we want to have a word and know how things work and everything must make sense. But why did this happen to my mom? You won't know everything you want to know. Press into the Spirit. You will hear a voice from that place of worship. God is in heaven and you are on earth. Press into the Spirit in your dark time. It's gone. Saying... Now this voice is speaking. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. It's just an interesting point there because, I mean, I'm at the dark place here right now. I'm kind of, I'm not sure what I'm doing here, why I'm here. I feel alone, Lord. And right there the Spirit commissions him for a task. 
in his dark time. Your purpose here is to write, and we're going to send it to others to hear. We can just look at that next slide. We've got a, a, I don't know if you can see Patmos here. And then those are the location of the seven churches. So this man is exiled from the mainland of, of Asia. And God said, you are here, but what will happen in your dark time will surely impact those where you come from. You're actually less isolated than what you think. I'm just busy with you. We're going to pack a punch back into the world where you live. What does God want to do with your dark time or, or, or that dark moment, that, that relationship? Don't check out. Don't try and forget it. Get in there. Get into the spirit and start to pray so that God may speak. He says, in the midst of a lampstand, verse 13, one like a son of man, clove of a long robe, and with a golden sash around his chest. Now, it's describing Jesus. Let's read that quickly. Verse 14. The hairs of his head were white like wool, right? And his feet were like burnished bronze, refined. Just describing Jesus, his friend, and all his might and all his glory. And then in his right hand, he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. I mean, John is blown away at this moment. Patmos is a mysterious place. Very important, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. You are not dead yet in your dark time. Fear not. It's probably what he's whispering to many of us this morning. He says, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And listen up, I have the keys of death and hate. And there's one question you and I have to ask ourselves this morning and in our dark place. Here it is. Who is in control? Who is in control here? Did God went, did he go and, and, and wash the dishes and then, oh, John was sent to Patmos. Sorry, John. Mistake there from our side. No, I hold the keys. God unlocked Patmos for the arrival of John. He unlocked his eyes to see and his hands to write who he is in control around here. It is him who holds the keys. It's interesting, we see this pattern in, in, in Scripture, and I know Cornelius Becker spoke about it in, at Convergence, for those who were there. Uh, uh, the nation of God is in turmoil, and, and Zion goes into the temple. The temple is broken. The king is, is one side. He's sick, and then he looks, and he sees the one who is on the throne. And he says, I've got unclean lips. And then God comes and touches him through an angel and sends him. We see Stephen in a dark moment, and it was the moment where he stepped from life to death, being stoned. What did he do? He gazed up, and he saw Jesus standing, and he knew he was in control. We find a great king. He does all the right things. Um, king Hezekiah, we find him in the book of Jeremiah, and 
1 Kings 18 or 2 Kings 18. He does all the right things. He loves God. He reforms the nation. And in front of the Susbari Fordir, at the front door comes Assyria. We're going to make you eat your own dung in the scripture. Go read for yourself. You will drink your urine. There'll be famine. He's a good king. A dark moment. Good tip. He phones a friend. He makes contact with Jeremiah. He says, it's trouble. Jeremiah encourages him. He takes the threats of the kings. And what does he do with it? He lays it before God. Who is in control? He says, Lord, this is the accusations. He's in turmoil. He's in a dark place. He prays. He puts it before God, the one who holds the keys. What happens? Not the army. An angel goes out and slaughters the Syrian army. In Stephen's case, it was his day. He stepped through a door. For Hezekiah and Judah at that moment, there was salvation. The point is not whether it's his day or whether there was salvation. The point is who is in control of whether it is the day to continue on earth or to step through the door. The one who holds the keys. (laughs) How do you conquer dark times? You press into the places where you have community, where you worship, your inner room, yes, 100%, and church is something, yeah, there's a momentum. You press in, you don't press out. You, You come in and allow God to minister to you. Then what you do is you behold, number two, Jesus, and you worship. All right? You put your mind and your heart on Christ. You behold him. You remember the one with the keys. And you find great comfort in that, in those moments. John, probably missing his friends, he was the last one. He remembers Jesus. He wants to go. He's always like, God, won't you just take me? I mean, uh, old people die, but they put me in a pot and I live. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. His friend appears to him at that moment to tell him you must stay. There's one thing you can know. It doesn't matter where this dark time is or who it's about. Jesus will always be there so that you can fall at his feet. That's one kind of darkness that you will never have to face that Jesus extracts himself from you. He will always be there. You will always have good feet to fall before. That should be a great, great comfort to each one of us here. God is teaching our congregation and I think Shofar to be mature. In our thinking, we have a, a, a gentleman in our church, a lovely, lovely, lovely woman. He's got stage four cancer. Jesus will heal you, amen, and in getting in your car is no longer cut it. You have cancer still. But he is also here so that you can fall at his feet with your cancer. And we will pray for that healing. But let's be mature. Maybe it's your door. Maybe not. But he doesn't leave and come back and leave and come back when we feel like that. He's right there. 
and he's in control. Amen? Obtain victory in dark times. It's there for you to grab. I just want to, uh, can I be honest, Henny? It's okay. Thanks. Henny said, oh. He asks me to say these kind of things, then he doesn't get in trouble. And, and, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, probably the greatest hindrance to our victory in dark times is when we get to that place um, where, where we have to really press in and worship and trust him. The enemy leads us to do the following. Yeah, but my mother never helped me with this. It's not my fault my husband left. I can't take responsibility for this mess. It's other people's fault. Um, And if an enemy can get his way, he'll send you someone to help you complain, to fire you on and send you in the wrong direction. Because there's two things that cannot happen at the same time. We cannot fall at the feet of Christ in worship and blame others at the same time. It's the one or the other. And, and I just want to say where we are moving in this world with the human at the center of everything, the world is teaching us to be professional complainers and professional blame shifters. But in the kingdom of God, such behavior will not stand. If we fall at his feet, we have forgiveness for those in the past. We take ownership. We say, Lord, this is where I am right now. I forgive my mom. I forgive my husband. Also forgive me for my sins. Here am I right now. What do you want your servant to do? I'm ready to stand up and take responsibility. I'm telling you, that's where your breakthrough will be, at his feet. Take it to heart. Last thing I want to say, we actually just read, read over it is, while you're still at Patmore, start writing. Start turning your face to helping others. Tell, number three, off your Patmore so that others may be invited to what? Press into the Spirit and behold Jesus. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. And he's there so that you can fall at those feet. Those wonderful feet. Amen. I want each one of us um, just to take a deep breath where you are standing. You may sit down if you want to. but just If you can just close your eyes where you are standing. And I want us to Put ourselves in John's shoes and position ourselves for victory as well this morning. I want you for a moment to think of your dark moment. Maybe you're in a whole season. That's really, really difficult. Um, Maybe you feel cared for but when you allow your thoughts to go to family it's it's really dark there or or to friends 
Maybe when you think of your workplace, I mean, it's hard to breathe. But I want you just to locate your Patmos for a moment where you are because we're going to use it as fuel against the enemy and to propel ourselves forward this morning. Just allow your mind to, or your memory to land on, on that thing. Now what I want you to do is I want you to press into the Spirit. That's that, that, that slang word again, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to start thanking God that He has never left you. In your own words, where you are standing, Lord, in this situation, I am reminded this morning that you have never left me. Why don't you just whisper where you are? Oh, you have never left my dad. My grandpa, that's starting to forget our names. Or that baby that was born with this malfunction. You have never left. Thank you, Lord. Just start mentioning his name around that situation. That's how you invite the Spirit to come and reinterpret the landscape. You are here, Lord. Everywhere you are standing, tell Jesus that you are reminded that he has the keys of life and death. Who is in control here? I don't want you guys to literally necessarily go down on your knees or fall at his feet, but I want you to, to worship him. Say, thank you, Lord, that you've never forsaken me and that you are in control. Worship him. Imagine the victorious one. It's so amazing. In Revelation 5, Jesus comes on a white horse. It wasn't used back then for war because the enemy would see you in dusk and dawn, but he doesn't care. He comes on a white horse. And he doesn't wear a helmet for protection. He wears a crown. He's already victorious. Just where you are standing, tell him, Lord, you already have this, this victory. You are in control. And these lips will worship you. I know we're moving fast. We don't have a lot of time. But then I want you to pray the following. So, Lord, what do you want me? to do that's where you are standing just pray this prayer what do you want me to do Lord how do you want me to pray do you want me to reach out do you want me to write I worship you, Lord. I thank you for every heart here this morning. You are truly writing with your own hands the stories of the people that finds himself here this morning. You never lose control. But we bring our wandering hearts back to you. So easily influenced, Lord, to shift the blame. So easily influenced to to get discouraged and we just look up again to our Savior, the one on the horse with a crown on his head. 
you are in control. What is a, what is a challenge for you right now? Because I would like to pray for you this week or maybe here this morning. What, what are you battling with right now? We, we're trusting God to, to allow battles to be changed um, from a battle against us to a battle that we're actually winning and taking to the enemy. What are you struggling with right now? What is your Patmos? Okay, what is your Patmos? Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.